Good morning, friends. Come grab a seat. Let's get started today. Um, I invite you to take out your hymnals and turn to page 817. We're going to pray Psalm 92 together this morning. We're going to sing Psalm 92 in the service, and it is a psalm for the Sabbath day, so it seems like a good one for us to do together this morning as we get started. So page 817 in the back of your Trinity hymnal, Psalm 92 will recite this responsively. It is good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name, O Most High. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. The senseless man does not know, fools do not understand. That though the wicked kids spring up like grass, and all evildoers flourish, they will be forever destroyed. But you, O Lord, are exalted forever. For surely your enemies, O Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured upon me. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Indeed, Father, this morning we come to you with praise on our lips. Um, Father, we put our trust in you again this morning as we gather in the name of your Son, and we ask indeed that you would make us to be like trees which grow in your court, um, full of sap, giving fruit in every season, Father, um, full of life. Um, and we pray that you would accomplish this um, even today um, through your Spirit, um, which unites us to your Son, the source of all of our life. Um, we pray that you be present now, even as we prepare for worship um, during this Sunday school hour. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Um, this morning, as I mentioned, um, we have um, a special guest with us today. We're going to take a, a break from our series on the Human Sexuality Report for a week and um, hear from um, Mark Becker. Mark is um, here with us this morning from Katy, Texas, where is where he is based um, out of. He is, um, Katy's just southwest of Houston. Um, uh, Mark is a, a disaster response specialist with um, Mission to North America. Mission North America, as I think Mark will explain, is one of the agencies of our denomination. And, and one of the things that they do, besides church planning and a number of other things, is oversee um, uh, the Presbyterian Church in America's disaster response um, ministry, um, which has a lot going on, um, which I'm really grateful And I'm really grateful for us to hear about this, particularly because, of course, a year ago in our community, we experienced um, significant natural disaster ourselves, and, um, and it was great to have the support of MNA. Um, I was in contact with Rick Lenz, who was kind of our local representative um, in the area, um, even within, you know, the first day or two, talking about different needs in our 
Presbytery um, because I was the moderator, moderator at the time and also um, needs even in our congregation. MNA actually, um, I was, our family's deductible, as many of you know, we had a lot of damage to our home a year ago, um, was covered entirely by um, MNA, which I was really grateful for. They had a fund and, and um, Rick put me in connection with that and it was a really um, wonderful thing for our family. Um, a year ago. So, Mark, it's great to have you here, and we're thankful for it, and um, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right, so I just want to kind of start out with a, a little survey just to kind of um, get a, a feel for, for the, the group here today. Um, how many of you um, were aware that we have a PCA disaster response ministry? Okay. Good, good bit. Um, so you'd be surprised um, how many people, I probably shouldn't be surprised, but you, you'd be um, interested to, to know that a lot of people think of M&A as being a church planting ministry. And that, I think that's largely because that's um, the biggest of the ministries that's under the M&A umbrella. But we do have a disaster response ministry. Um, there's about 10 of us on staff. And... Um, and we cover all the United States in, in different regions. And uh, so I want to talk to you about that today and, and share that. Um, the, uh, this, our ministry is um, involved with a lot of different disaster, natural disasters primarily. And uh, so that's, it's an important ministry and it's, it's good for, uh, for the people of the PCA to be familiar with that. So um, the Disaster Response Ministry was created by the PCA to support various PCA churches uh, that, that are in need. And so the uh, February freeze, as I call it, um, was a perfect example of that. So um, churches don't have to handle the, the uh, issues on their own. There's, a, there's an organization that uh, brings resources together and helps things out. Um, so that the impact isn't so hard on, on the churches that um, were um, impacted by storms and that sort of thing. So, um, so sometimes there's storms that are result in more cleanup and that sort of thing than they're able to handle. Um, if they can handle it themselves, that's fine. The deacons or whoever can come in and, and, and help with the, the repairs or the cleanup or whatever's needed, but sometimes they're just too big for an individual church or a couple churches to be able to handle. So, so we help to coordinate the responses. We have a lot of resources that are available. And uh, so I want to tell you more about that today. So, so Susan and I, Susan's in the back taking the pictures there. Um, my wife and I have been involved with the disaster response as volunteers since the mid-90s. So it's almost 30 years we've been involved, uh, if you go back to when we were volunteers. And over the years, our, our roles have changed. So we started out with just being volunteers. And uh, my first exposure was a uh, neighborhood in, in Beaumont got flooded. And so it's like, sure, I'll, I'll come help, you know. And so they had to show me how to take wet material out of a house. And so I was just learning on that. And then Susan was babysitting the kids for some of the parents that were, were helping out, that kind of thing. So that's, that's kind of where we started. And then over the, over the years, um, I started leading teams that would come in. So we would um, load a bunch of stuff in the back of my 99 Tacoma 
like a wheelbarrows and all that kind of stuff. And then we would meet at a house and we'd start cleaning it out and that sort of thing. And then when Hurricane Harvey hit the Houston area, including Katy and that, that um, area, um, our roles started changing a little bit and we started hosting teams that were coming in. And so we, we were in the disaster zone. Uh, we weren't personally impacted, but lots of neighborhoods were. And um, there was so much work to be done that um, you could tell our church people is um, helpful and, and energetic as they were. After about a month of Saturdays helping week after week, they could tell they were starting to burn out. So it's, it's just not possible for the local church to do that amount of work. But there were people that came in from everywhere. I mean, we had teams from California, New York, um, and all different places in between, but they needed a place to stay, and so we got involved with hosting them, and so like Susan got involved with taking care of the bedding and the meals for them, and then I got involved with talking to the team leaders, making sure they knew what the arrangements were, what I call what to expect and what not to expect, um, and match them up with good projects. So they, they need to have a good project to work on each day uh, when they come in. So anyways, that kind of gives you a background of um, the disaster response where it started and our, kind of our background. The um, cleanup is the most obvious thing that we do with our, with our ministry. So there's just lots of trees down in the yard or there's uh, wet material in a building that we have to take out and that sort of thing, but it's not the most important. Uh, the primary purpose is to share the gospel with some that need to hear the gospel. With others, it's just coming alongside fellow Christians and, and helping them out with, with their struggles and that sort of thing. So there's, there's nothing like um, having a team in their house all day long cleaning out all their belongings uh, all their furniture, their um, and sheetrock, and all that stuff, taking it out to the street. But there's nothing like that um, to uh, get to know the homeowner and, and de develop a relationship. They're just so appreciative and it's so helpful. And that relationship then kind of becomes a um, stepping stone that allows us to, to be able to minister to the people. So especially the teams that have uh, a team leader or somebody on the team that's, that's really gifted in that area, They'll sit out in the front porch with a homeowner and talk with them and, and hear their story and how, how, did, um, how did it impact you and what's your plans and, and do you have family helping out, you know, things like that. And that kind of connection is um, possible through the relationships that, that you build. Um, and then from, from there, um, then we're able to potentially pass on to the pastor if there's a pastoral follow-up or a diaconal follow-up, or there might be an outreach opportunity. Somebody is, is starting to ask questions about the gospel and that sort of thing. So anyways, that's really the most important uh, purpose. Cleanup is, is kind of uh, the most obvious one. And then last but not least, it's, it's good to point out the team members that come in, the volunteers, they may just be there for a week. Um, it's kind of like a missions trip. When, when you go on a missions trip, you go to help, but you're actually helped by being involved with that. So you get to see the grace of God um, as you're sharing this help with other people and, and that sort of thing. So you've got multiple benefits um, to, to be able to um, do, uh, do this and be involved with that. So most of what we do and what, what we, we get involved with is 
um, tornadoes, hurricanes, and floods. And of course, with hurricanes, you, you tend to have uh, floods and tornadoes all together, so you have all three. But that's mostly what we get involved with. Um, it's not all what we, what we do. Um, sometimes we've, we've had um, teams go out to California for, for fires and that sort of thing, but the damage usually is so extensive that there's not a lot we can help with. And there's not a, as many PCA churches out there, too. But um, since 2005, we've had over 165,000 volunteers that have come in and been involved. So you think about, you know, there's eight or ten of us on staff, but over the years there's been just um, lots and lots of people that came in and volunteered. So they're really the ones that do uh, the bulk of the work. We just help to coordinate that and, and, and uh, that sort of thing. And so it's been 65 major responses that we've been involved with. And so, like, I'll show you some pictures from Hurricane Laura. Um, from Lake Charles when that hit. That's one response, and so we've done 65 like that. Um, and it's 23 different states, and, and we've even been involved with rebuilding church um, buildings, and so like Panama City had massive damage to their building. We'll be involved with providing the funds and, and working with the contractors and that sort of thing, uh, just as kind of a, uh, what I consider a um, owner representative or that sort of thing coming in, so. Anyways, um, so what I'd like to do is kind of get into the presentation, so covered our background of our um, involvement. So this is um, the sanctuary at Bethel PCA in Lake Charles. And so um, here you can see a couple feet of sheetrock removed. Um, so I'll talk a little bit more about why we had to do that. Um, but it was interesting was or what I want to point out is um, maybe the first week or two after they had that sheetrock removed, um, they would notice that and talk about it, but it seemed like they just, it became normal after a while. So one of the things that we do in one of our big focus areas, if the church building itself is impacted, is to try to get the church back together worshiping in the sanctuary. And so that's a really a focus area that we have. And so in this case, it wasn't wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. You had bare walls exposed and stuff like that, but they were able to worship. So we had we had the power back on, so they had lighting and, and air conditioning and, and that sort of thing. So we're in the uh, what they call the t South Central region. So that includes Texas and, and Oklahoma. Uh, so there's over 120 churches in in our region here uh, between the uh, two states. That, that are represented here, Texas and Oklahoma, and the five presbyteries. Um, Rick Lenz, who's, who's in, in Frisco and in, in the Dallas area, uh, he manages the Dallas Depot. We were, we were there on, on Friday helping out with that. We had an open house, uh, which was, was nice. But Rick's been on staff um, for over 11 years, and he's been involved with 20 different disaster responses, so he's got a lot of um, experience a lot more experience than, than I do, so he's been involved with that. But together, we, we network with the different churches, um, and uh, so we, we stay in contact with these different churches in, in, in these uh, two states. So one, one thing that um, you've already heard a little bit uh, is related to the, um, the freeze that was last year in February. Um, you know, what happens after a storm? Uh, first thing we do is 
uh, Rick and I kind of split up this region and we call the different churches. So we want to know, was there any damage to the building? Um, and how did the members do? And, and sometimes that information isn't available like the first morning after the storm. And so it kind of trickles in after a while. Uh, generally, the people that are impacted the most are hardest to get a hold of because they're kind of busy. <laughs> so they've got, they've got a, lot of, uh, a lot of issues to deal with. And, and so, so sometimes we have to follow up you know, in, the, in the following days uh, to get, get that information. But we find out these kind of needs. And um, one thing that will happen, if, if there's enough of an impact, and it's like clearly the area had a lot of damage, uh, one of us will come to visit the area and we'll do kind of an assessment. We'll walk through the church building um, and see what kind of damage there was or, or visit the homes. And, and the idea is to kind of see if there's extra help needed. And so, you know, we have a couple warehouses that I'll talk about that we store our equipment. And sometimes you have enough volunteers, but you just don't have generators or you don't have chainsaws or you don't have fans and stuff that you need. Um, and the stores after a storm are going to be sold out really quickly. So that's why we store these kind of things. And so, like, for example, there were some tornadoes that went through northern Alabama last fall. They had the volunteers, but they didn't have chainsaws. So they loaded up some chainsaws in the back of a truck and hauled it into the disaster area. So we, that's something that we can do um, to help out, you know, providing equipment and that sort of thing. Um, but then also, you know, we can determine if we need to set up a response site. So like in, in Lake Charles, for example, there was so much cleanup needed, not only for the congregation, but for the community, that we set up a, a response site in their parking lot. So I'll show you some more pictures of that. So there's different things we can do just depending on, on the extent of the damage and that sort of thing. So moving on to Hurricane Laura. So that, that we've got a lot of good pictures from there and it's kind of a, a nice way to be able to share what we do by showing what, what happened in the, um, in the different uh, months following that. So Hurricane Laura was the, a major, major storm, very strong. It was the strongest storm to hit Louisiana since 1856. So you'd say, well, what about Katrina, you know, Katrina is the storm to end all storms. Katrina hit New Orleans, so technically speaking, it wasn't as strong, but it hit a much bigger population area, and then you had the breaching of the levees, and, and so that, that's why there's more, um, more damage, uh, but it wasn't as strong as the storm that hit Lake Charles. So Lake Charles had a very intense um, impact from that storm. Um, it did kill over 22 people, and there was over... a $8 billion of, of damage, so it's just a major, major storm. And the primary impact of this storm was tornadoes. You know, every hurricane's different. Some of them was more rain, some of it's more uh, wind and, and tornadoes and that sort of thing. So there's just there's a lot of intense damage there. And um, so the, the best way to describe the, the damage when you first drove into the area was just that it was overwhelming. And it was just uh, crazy how much damage there was. So this was. Um, one of the uh, elders at the church, this is their home or the property behind their house. Um, so they had what was described as, they, their backyard was kind of described as a park. It had like oaks and pecans, beautiful, beautiful trees. All that was down and tangled up and it was just a, a major mess. So we had to send five or six teams there um, over a period of, of time to, to do the cleanup. And so the first teams came in and took the logs and the uh, brush out to the street to be picked up. And then after that, 
they had to come in and take the um, what was remaining of the garage roof off of the vehicle. So the vehicle's going to be towed off. So if you can look in here, you've got a Toyota here that's crushed down to the frame and then a camper. And so not only did we have uh, teams taking logs out, which is more normal for what we do, we actually had them with chainsaws cutting up the, the structure of the roof to get that off and take that out to the street. So that was a pretty involved um, cleanup effort. And that was just at, at one house. It was very um, intense cleanup there. But um, unfortunately for them, they also had damage at the church. So, so this is from the first week when we were there. This is a, they had a drone. One of our, my counterparts has a drone, and so he got some good pictures there. So the, the sanctuary is right here. It had to be tarped because there was some roof damage and water was coming in. So one thing you, you learn is you got to put tarps on as soon as you can because when it rains after that, the sheetrock keeps getting damaged. You get more and more damage. So the, the faster you cover things up, the better. So they ended up covering about two-thirds of the roof with, with tarping uh, before, uh, before they were able to put the new shingles on there. Um, so here is a... Uh, bought a 20-foot storage shed, and it was originally right here. That's the blocks. You can kind of see that there. And, and basically, a storm picked up this storage shed and twisted it, turned it upside down, and dropped it between those two trees. And the trees didn't do too well from that, but they, they still they survived. But anyways, the, it dropped that shed upside down, and it was amazing. It was just a few two by fours in there that were broken and some roof damage, but it was salvageable. They could still use that. The uh, classroom building didn't do quite so well. It's, it's like a modular um, classroom building. And it got turned on its side, but it had so much water damage in there from sitting on its side after the storm and that sort of thing that it was um, difficult to salvage. And then uh, the other thing I want to point out is here's a couple of our trailers. So this was still early on. We didn't um, have most of our trailers yet, there yet, so they were starting to bring them in um, and, and get them set up. So basically, uh, they agreed to let us use a corner of their parking lot to set up, and so we had some of our trailers um, set up there. So as bad as the damage was at, uh, at Bethel, it was less than what the neighbors had. So here's a Bible church right next door. Uh, next door to there and uh, so they lost actually part of their roof and so when that happens then all of your ceiling tiles or sheetrock all your walls you know from ceiling to to floor all have to be removed and of course they had a, they had a lot of carpet so that all had to be taken out so by comparison they had mountains of debris that had to be taken out and then of course all that had to be replaced uh, when, when things dried out, so they had to replace that. So they, they had a lot more damage. Um, this is a business on the other side of Bethel. So it looked like um, it looked like a wrecking ball hit the back of that building. From the front, from the roadside, you couldn't see any damage, but from the back, it, it looked like um, it was just crushed in, so kind of imploded. So this building was totaled. They had to completely tear it down to the slab and, and rebuild that. Um, so they, um, they had quite a bit of damage. And then this, in another direction to the south of them, behind the church, this is what the uh, RV park looked like. And so any of the 
RVs that didn't evacuate as a storm was coming in uh, ended up basically looking like that. So they, they were upside down, they were crushed, they were um, just destroyed and that sort of thing. Um, that was, that RV park had some open spots and that's where we stayed for, for about three months. And so we, we brought our travel trailer in. They had water, they didn't have electricity, so we ran a generator for about three months while the area was getting the power restored and that sort of thing. But the nice thing about it was it was behind the church, so it was within walking distance. And so it's nice to be close to the response site and not spend so much time driving every morning and evening uh, to and from through the traffic and that sort of thing. So that, that's what the uh, RV park looked like. So just to kind of give you an idea of the timeline of the response. So the storm hit in August 27th, and then within a few days, um, our, one of our Florida teams that, that works with us quite often, they, they got to the, the church and they started doing some cleanup and they, they're really good with tarps. They put the tarps on nice and tight and everything. So they got up on the roof and put tarps on there. Um, and then during that, that same week, then we, we arrived and then we started calling to get equipment delivered in. So we started setting up the response site and getting things arranged for that. So um, that was a nice, um, nice setup there. And it, it was good to have a, a rainbow showing uh, that first morning when they were getting out, getting out for the uh, first day, going out to do projects and stuff. So that was, very, I thought, very fitting after a big storm like that. Um, this team that, that, that is shown here, uh, this is the, actually the leader here, Bruce Cullen. He's at, uh, from Contonement, Florida, and he's got an active team. They've got a trailer with equipment stuff, and they, they deploy four or five times a year. So they're always busy, they're well-trained, and that sort of thing. But one of the things that they do is they get out, and they want to get to the church as fast as they can. So not, quite often they'll get to the church before the pastor or the members will get there if there's enough trees down because they'll they'll literally cut their way down the roads and clear trees out you know what i'm saying so they're clearing the pathway to get in and one of the aspects of doing that kind of thing and getting in so early is there's no electricity there's nothing provided for you so they bring everything they need they bring tents they bring water they bring food and all that kind of stuff so if you can imagine they don't even have generators so they don't even, in the summertime when it's 95, or, or in the fall when it's 95, they don't even have air conditioners or fans. And they're, so they're really what I could call a, a Spartan team or very hardcore team. Um, but not every team is, is going to be willing to do that kind of thing or come to that, those kind of situations. So they're, they're willing to do that. They're very happy when we set up our trailers with air conditioning, you know, but they're willing, they are willing to do what it takes to, uh, to be able to come in and, um, and be on a, in a church lawn or, or whatever until, until everything gets reestablished. Re so um, even though they're willing to, to um, be in that type of environment, um, not many people are. And so uh, the question comes up, well, where do the team stay? If, if, if you have a team that's interested in coming in or somebody contacts me, that's going to be a question. What kind of arrangements are, are there? Because there's no hotels for two or three hour drive. Everything's kind of messed up for quite a wide, wide range and stuff. So we, we bring in these trailers and that's just been very helpful uh, for teams. So we have um, a couple of these 70 kilowatt generators 
and what we'll do is we'll hook that up to the church to get the uh, air conditioning going, trying to dry the building out and get the lights back on and that sort of thing. Um, it could also be used for powering our trailers too, so it helps for the, the building and the trailers. Um, we have eight of these shower trailers, so they have like three or four stalls, depending on which model uh, we deploy or we bring in. And so all you need to do for those is get a garden hose and an extension cord to plug in somewhere, and then you can um, get the, the shower trailer in, in use. So that, that's uh, very nice for, for them cleaning up after working all day and that sort of thing. And then we also have bunkhouse trailers. So we have uh, five of these bunkhouse trailers. So you, if you can imagine, they've got 12 bunk beds in each one. And so you can sleep quite a few people in there. And so it's a nice setup. So normally we need uh, one, one generator um, at each site um, set up, um, one shower trailer, and two of these bunkhouse trailers. So I'll show you a close-up, more of a close-up picture of that, but it kind of gives you an idea of, you know, what it, what it takes to set up for a typical setup. Si si yeah, yes, please. So for the, the showers and stuff, we just use the water that's available from the tap. Normally that's available. But for drinking water, we bring it all in. And, and um, so you just don't know how you can tr if you can trust the water. You know, it's going to be a boil water notice if there's any power outage. Um, so it's just kind of an expected kind of thing. And so, yeah, we bring in all the water we need. So we have just cases and cases of, of bottled water that we bring in for that. So. Usually, yeah, yeah, usually just water to shower with. So, and we haven't had any problems with, with, with that uh, supplying water. But um, yeah, generally, the the water is running. It's just that you wouldn't want teams to be drinking that um, in a, a normal basis. So, so we have to um, make the teams aware of the potential risks, you know. And so, water can be part of that. Um, Mold can be in different places, and so we want to talk to them about that. And so there's just different safety things. We don't want people to get sick, you know, when, when they come in. And But the water is one of the things we just bring in um, cases of water. And then one of, one of the things that we find out is this kind of a little side note, but um, we need a lot of water, but there is such thing as too much water. And so we tell teams, you know, don't, don't bring in water unless we told you that we needed it, you know, that kind of thing, because um, what will end up happening is we'll be running out of room in, in the church building where to store the water, you know, that kind of thing. We have so much. So, but we do bring it in, and that's a very important part to, uh, for cooking and for drinking and that kind of thing. All right, so um, just kind of give you a little bit more of a, a close-up. This is what a... A typical response site looks like. So we we've kind of ended up with a U shape being an ideal setup. And so what we'll have is we'll have a couple bunkhouse trailers over here, and then a shower trailer. And then behind this, you can't see that is where Bethel Church is, so they can go inside to, to use the bathrooms, that sort of thing. But what's nice about having a couple bunkhouse trailers is you might have like a men's trailer and a woman's trailer. Or you might have um, teams coming in from two different churches, so you can separate them that way. And so it gives you some flexibility 
to, to be able to do that. But it's nice to be able to have these trailers because you don't have to worry about trying to set up beds in the church building itself because uh, quite often it's just not available. It's just much easier to bring in these trailers, hook them up. They actually do have, you can't really see it here, but they have these uh, 70 or 7,000 watt generators mounted on the, on the hitch in the front of these trailers. So the minute they show up, they can um, pull the cord or, or hit the on button and have electricity running for the uh, each of these trailers without having to set up other extra generation stuff. So that gets us going right off the bat and then we can switch to other generators if, if we need to for, for convenience and that sort of thing. So uh, talk a little bit more about the M&A response site. So M&A is bringing in all these trailers with uh, bedding and showers and, and, and that sort of thing. But then what the church provides is usually a classroom and, and bathrooms. So here's a classroom at, at Bethel. So this is basically the place that we have dinner at. And so in the evenings, they're cooling off. Uh, this is, you know, there's not many places with air conditioning um, during a storm. So they, they're able to come in and cool off and have supper. Uh, it's also where in the mornings we have kind of our plan of the day discussion. You know, so we, we give them their assignments, their projects, uh, project homes and that sort of thing that they'll they'll go out to work on and um, and then also they'll load up their coolers with their drinks and their their lunch and stuff they take their lunch out with them uh, so that they can eat at the site and and not have to you know waste a lot of time during the day they can work work more on that but uh, the church provides these three things um, and then m a provides provides the other things so uh, that's kind of the setup that we have and one thing, just another, another side note, I might have a few tangents here, but another side note is, is these churches that host um, the, the teams that come in, they'll want to know, well, you know, how much cooking do we need to do? And, you know, that's a lot of people coming in, and we, we're all so busy, um, and how are we going to be able to cook meals for the volunteers and stuff? And it's like, we got that covered. You know, the, if, as long as we can get uh, access to the building, um, the members of the church need to focus on taking care of each other you know that they don't need to be worried about cooking meals and all that kind of stuff and then the neat thing is Susan has got um, contacts with this growing network uh, I call it kind of the casserole network but these ladies um, are involved with casserole ministry probably for other reasons but they have them stocked up in freezers and stuff and they love to bring in these meals and, and uh, they're really good. I enjoy um, a lot of these different meals that they cook and all you have to do is put them in an oven and warm them up so it's, it's prepared ahead of time. And so that's something that um, takes the, the burden off of the, the host church. They, they have plenty of things to take care of. They don't need to take care of the teams. So I just thought I'd mention that. Oh, going the wrong way here. Okay, so we had everything um, nicely set up in the parking lot, and we were, had teams coming in, and, and they were help cleaning up at homes. Um, but then uh, Hurricane Delta decided to come to Lake Charles. So that was about six weeks after Hurricane Laura hit. So we had to evacuate all our trailers and, and basically uh, collect everything. Um, and then we took it across the Texas border 
um, to RPC Church in Beaumont, for, for those of you who are familiar with the Beaumont area, and just to ride out the storm, that's a, it was a good place to do that. So um, when Delta came in, this was more of a rain event, and that their church building is kind of in a low area, and so the building got two or three inches of, of flood water in there. So when we brought the trailers back, thankfully we had a, a team already scheduled for that week, that first week after the storm, and their first project was very obvious. It was getting, getting the building cleaned out and dried out. And the first, first priority was the uh, sanctuary, and so they got that, and that's where you saw the two feet of sheetrock removed. Oh, that's that's this, these teams here. So they just did an amazing amount of work, and they were very focused on getting the, the church back to to being able to, to be able to use that. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about site managers, and this is something that um, Susan and I do kind of in our spare time. So you know, as specialists, as a disaster response specialist, we do a lot of networking and connecting um, in, in our region and stuff, but with, if a region like Louisiana or some other part of the country needs help, then we can go in and help on that. So, so one of the things that we do is, is uh, serve as site managers, and it, you don't have to be on staff to do that, and we're always looking for people that are willing to, to come in and help. Um, you can volunteer and do that for a few weeks at a time or, or whatever, but that's something that we've, we've done ourselves. And uh, so part of that, uh, really, really the three main things that we do overall is, is uh, to host the teams is to provide housing, meals and projects. So those are the three things. When a team comes in, they need those things and we help coordinate that so they have what they need. Um, and then also, as being part of staff, um, I, get, I get involved with interfacing with the church. So I'll talk with the, the elders and the deacons and I'll tell them, okay, this is what I see in the building. Um, this is what I recommend. Um, what, do you, what do you want to do? What's your plans? How can we help? And then we'll, we'll talk about the disaster response, um, like, is there any limit on how long we can stay? I mean, this is their, the church's property, so we're coming in as guests or as an extension of the church. And so we'll talk about those kind of things and talk about one, one of the key things that we want to talk about is are you um, wanting to help out the community? So it's, it's the church's decision if, if they just want the teams to come in and help their members and the families of the, of the church. Um, or do they want to branch out beyond that and do help with the community? And so generally the, the church wants to help the community too. And so we discuss all those things. And then I'll come back like every month and give a, an update on status and make sure we're, we're all connected uh, properly and that sort of thing. So we want to we be um, serving the local church. We're, we're there to, to, to be able to, to help them. Um, a little bit more as far as uh, site manager specific roles and just kind of splitting it up between what uh, Susan and I do. Um, so like I was saying, I meet with the, the, uh, the elders. And, um, I also assess projects. So most of the day um, or most of the weekdays, I'm driving around through the neighborhoods looking at homes that we've been told about to see what kind of work needs to be done. Is it chainsaw work? Is it flood relief work? We've had reports of trees down, and they were little crepe myrtles, little crepe myrtle trees down. You know, so it's little. And I, and I don't want to send this serious Florida chainsaw team out there to take care of it, you know, little things. Like that. But if we have a small team, 
that's inexperienced or you know that sort of thing that's a perfect project so part of what I do is with this assessing is to match the project with the team and part of this the how technical it is or how complicated it is and how much work you know is, is, does it take a big team or not so if you got a bunch of trees on the roof or they're all tangled together where it's complicated and kind of dangerous I got a team for that the Florida team can do that but if it's picking up a bunch of branches in a in a yard it's still helpful for for a member or somebody that, that is not able to do it themselves or just needs that help well then then we have young adult groups that come in and, and they're willing and, and ready to do that kind of stuff so so anyways that's part of what I do with with assessing the projects and then I coordinate that with the team so I talk to the team usually the team leader the week before they come and and get that all coordinated stuff and we provide tools so we got big what I call big red it's like a 8 by 20 enclosed trailer and we just stuff it full of wheelbarrows and, and shovels and rakes and that kind of thing Susan on the other hand her role she calls the, the homeowners so she's got this handy um, Excel spreadsheet that she keeps all the information on there their address their phone number um, and then different uh, inter interfaces that she has with them recording the notes of what they need to be worked on what's the status do they still need help and stuff so at Lake Charles she called about 115 different homeowners and she called them several times so this is a lot of phone calls so all day long when I'm driving around the neighborhoods she's on the phone talking to people and it's kind of neat because she gets to listen to their story and, and that helps them out and then she's able to keep up the the records so I know if I need some tree jobs in this part of town she's she's got all that information to, to uh, make it more efficient for me to go around and work on that but she also like I was saying she's she has contact with the uh, the ladies that do the casseroles and so she she takes care of all the meals and so whenever uh, we need to restock on all the plasticware and and, and uh, plates and cups and and all the more perishable stuff like the, the bread and, and some of those other things then she'll either go shopping or she'll have somebody bring bring stuff in to the disaster zone um, and then she also keeps up the bunkhouses and, and, and that sort of thing so so anyways, we have our own role roles you can do that with one person and lots of times they do it with one person uh, but then you have to kind of delegate more of that to the teams um, because you can only get so much during done during the day that sort of thing so so teams are needed so we got all the equipment set up we're talking with the church we got all that arranged and stuff we need teams to be able to get the work done and so the teams like I was saying before when you're meeting with the homeowners and you're spending all all day in their yard or in their house um, you get to make a connection with them and so you're able to come alongside them and that's that's one of the neat things about the ministry um, there's just a large amount of cleanup that's done and so um, it takes a lot of work and sometimes it's not just a matter of manpower sometimes it takes heavier equipment which I'll talk about that um, but it's more than a family can typically handle and these teams come in with the great attitudes and, and, and it's very very uplifting for the homeowners to have have that kind of help so um, part of the issue that kind of makes it required to have volunteers come in for the average person is insurance doesn't cover typically trees that are down in your yard um, and it's easily ten fifteen thousand dollars to hire a contractor to do that so it's more than a, a lot of people can can afford the other thing is uh, flood damage isn't covered if you don't have flood insurance so 
lots of times homeowners will, will be in those situations where it's just much better to have volunteers come in to, to help out. So we you really need teams to be able to, uh, to get that work done. Um, and just uh, another one of my side notes. So this is um, Jim Thomas. So he's from um, Westminster and, and Bryan. So you know, you know Bryan, uh, I think they, they're part of the North Texas Presbytery, right? They're South Texas, South Texas, okay. But anyways, he's part of a, a wonderful team that comes in several times a year, and, and they come in. Um, and then there's uh, three guys from, from my, our church in Katy, and so they came in multiple times, and so they worked together, um, and so they got a lot of, lot of work done. This, this was, this house um, must have had eight or ten large pine trees down. You know, pine trees are really pretty until they, they snap off, and then they had like a, Pick up, pick up sticks game type of thing where it's just they're all intermeshed and stuff like that all in the yard and they got most of that cleaned up uh, in, in that yard. But teams did come in so this is this is the you know very rewarding part of, of, of this job is to be able to, to see the teams come in and their energy and enthusiasm and that sort of thing and so uh, here's here's me on the end that's that's how I, I normally dress when I'm disaster response. Um, here's Rick Lenz and then there's a few guys from our church, and uh, and here's a pastor and his wife that came in several times to help out, and and so uh, anyways, it was just neat. You you build some really close friendships when you work with them, especially when they come in uh, year after year. And so sometimes the teams are small. It might be a couple people, and sometimes they're bigger. So this is a team from. CEPC in Houston. So this is a young adults group. Um, they came in. They didn't have skills. I wouldn't give them a chainsaw or I wouldn't put them on a roof, you know, that kind of thing. They, they didn't know how to hang sheetrock or, or float sheetrock. I don't, I don't either. But um, anyways, but they came in with the, all that energy and enthusiasm. So I put them on clean out projects. So there was um, wet sheetrock in, in that classroom building that I showed you that was on the side. And then there was another house in the neighborhood or near nearby neighborhood that got a lot of water damage, and it's just a lot of wheelbarrow work and cleanup and stuff. And they were uh, more than willing to do that, and they were great, um, great to have for that kind of stuff. Um, but then on the other extreme, we have these small teams that come in. So this is um, a couple guys from northern Louisiana, um, and then Steve here right in the middle. Um, he comes in, I don't know what it is, five, six, seven times um, on a particular deployment, and he'll come in, and first of all, he's our best bobcat operator. I'll show you what our bobcats are. That's our track loaders. Um, he maintains our equipment, so he sharpens our chainsaws, changes oil in the generators, takes care of a lot of that stuff. Um, and then, last but not least, or probably the best thing of all, he's a great cook. So he like he'll make breakfast for the team in the morning, he'll go out with the team driving the bobcat, and then in, in the evening when everybody's taking showers and cooling off and cleaning up, he's doing maintenance, and then he'll cook a whole bunch of burgers and, and fries, or he'll do a fish fry, he's done all sorts of things. So anyways, he's a very valuable part, kind of behind the scenes type of thing, and he'll generally come in by himself or he'll bring somebody with him. So we can range from two people to 15 people, it's a lot of, uh, flexibility that way. So 
sometimes it's just easier for people to come in on Saturdays so they don't have vacation to come in all week or they're, they're not retired or anything like that. And so we'll get a big surge on a Saturday. And so Susan and I will gather up some tasks and um, miscellaneous things that need to be done around the church or at, at somebody's home and that sort of thing. And so we'll have this list of, of tasks and Susan will write on the whiteboard, her, her penmanship's a lot better than mine. Um, and what's neat about that is that in the morning, the team will gather up the team and look around, the, look at the whiteboard, and that'll be kind of our plan of the day. You know, like this is this is some of the stuff that we want to get done, and it kind of seems overwhelming at the beginning of the day, but it, it's a crowded room. There's a lot of people, a lot of energy, and so what's also neat is at the end of the day, they get to see all the stuff that they got checked off, and they just get an amazing amount of work on there. And we actually left it up in that classroom as an encouragement to the people of Bethel because they got to see all the, the work that got done at their church um, by these volunteers. They, they've never met them. They don't know them, but they came in and they helped. So that just, it was just kind of a neat thing to uh, have these uh, big work days like that. So people were helped. Uh, this is one of my favorite pictures. This is uh, elderly homeowners and they had trees down in their yard. There's no way they're going to go out there with chainsaws and cut all that up and, and get it out to the streets. So it's neat the relationships that we're able to, to make. How am I doing for time? Two minutes. Two minutes, okay. We are going to skip a few slides. I get talking here. I'm going to skip over the equipment and we already talked about the February freeze. Let's go uh, got a lot of good stuff. So a couple things you can do is uh, you can pray, pray for us, uh, pray for our preparations. We have prayer cards out on the table out there and a, a sign-up list for our newsletter. And then you get updated um, prayer requests and what we're doing and that sort of thing. For those of you that are on Facebook, I have a um, you can connect with me on Facebook, and then you get to more of the day-to-day -day stuff and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then you can stay informed with those things, and then um, you can sign up for training or join us in future responses. We're working on um, putting transfer switches at some churches. So that, that's, that's all I have. <laughs> Any questions? So I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, yes. So we're looking for a, a new coordinator to take over John's role. Um, right now we have um, equipment being set up at the Dallas Depot uh, to be able to construct more sheds. And there's, there's a um, kind of a guru in Georgia area that we're going to bring in to try to bring some knowledge back and, and start setting up a core team so we can start building sheds and that sort of thing. But, but we have about 24 stored in um, Dallas that are already uh, kits that are already assembled and then we have 40 or 50 in, in Rome, Georgia, that sort of thing but yeah, we're, we're hoping to get that going again Anybody else have a question before we wrap up? Yes Our 
our age limit is 16 years old, so we can we can have you know like the older high school students and, and the young adults that sort of thing. So yeah, it's just kind of a safety thing. Um, Mark, it's so good to have you here. Thanks for giving us this um, presentation and picture of what's going on in our denomination. We're grateful to be part of a connectional church that has so much happening. And, um, and hopefully you all can see the, um, the value of a ministry like this that um, puts hands and feet to um, come in and care for people who are vulnerable, who are in need. Um, certainly I can identify with that personally in terms of how um, it felt a year ago to go through this disaster and have damage to our church building and to my personal building, our personal home and other people's home and the church, homes in the church. Um, you feel so um, defenseless and your world changes very quickly in situations like that. And um, certainly something I reflected on a year ago was how difficult it must be to go through the experiences like this without the kind of community and fellowship that we have with one another as believers, even within our congregation, you know. Um, there were many whose homes were not affected a year ago, and it was wonderful to be able to receive help um, from others in the congregation and, and, uh, and from M&A as well. So, and this is certainly a ministry that I think really embodies some of the diaconal emphases that we see in the scriptures and um, the care, uh, mercy uh, ministry care that we need um, to be conscious of that we're called to as Christians. Um, so I would encourage you to sign up for Mark's email list, which is in the foyer, and um, he'll be here for the worship service and afterwards to ask and answer or answer any questions you might have. And uh, it's just really helpful, I think, to be more aware of, of things that are happening um, even in our, in our church. Let me, um, let me pray for Mark and Susan and, and um, close us now. Father, we do pray for Mark and Susan. We're thankful for their um, generosity in coming and spending the morning with us today. And we're thankful for the call that you've given them to serve um, the broader church in this way, to, um, to go and to be servants of Christ um, to people who um, find themselves um, in need, not only physically, but also just traumatized in many ways emotionally by the devastation that they've experienced overnight. And, and so, Father, I pray that you would um, continue to grant uh, Mark and Susan both um, a full measure of your spirit, that they might do this work with um, intention, with love, with um, with courage, Father, um, with compassion um, as they lead and serve. And I pray even for us as a congregation to consider these things and, um, and our own uh, responsibilities um, to reach out to those um, who are suffering. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, we'll see you in 15 minutes for worship.